Just when you thought the soap opera drama in Fulton County, Georgia, couldn't get any tawdrier, the plot thickens. What we already knew, allegedly, is that Fulton County DA Fannie Willis, who had the legally dubious and historically unprecedented task of prosecuting a former president and current leader of the political opposition, decided to hire for that extremely difficult job her boyfriend, an unqualified married lawyer named Nathan Wade, who allegedly kicked some of the undeserved taxpayer money that she was overpaying him back to her in the form of lavish vacations all around the Western Hemisphere. But now we are learning that all that chicanery was child's play compared to the real corruption going on at the Fulton County DA's office. According to a new report from Breitbart, sourced by multiple people familiar with the office, the Biden team planted a Democrat operative in Fulton County to coordinate with the Biden White House on the prosecution of Biden's chief political rival. That operative's name, according to the report, is Jeff DeSantis. No relation, though it's kind of funny. The county's curiously overqualified deputy district attorney who, according to one source that spoke to Breitbart, is, quote, the one. He is the one pulling all the strings. He was the one that walked Fannie Willis off. He was in every important meeting. He is the brainchild behind this. That is the connection to the White House. Just Fannie Willis's love life was possibly enough to get this case dismissed. The prospect of the whole thing being a setup coordinated by the Biden White House would seem to raise that likelihood even further. It also helps to make sense of how this was going on with Fannie Willis being so obviously unqualified. If there's, if there's a Democrat ringer who was installed in the office, that makes a lot more sense. Regardless of any of that, though, the best part of this whole story, in my humble opinion, is that it shows that the Democrats are genuinely scared. If the Dems just had this election locked up, if they felt that they could just rig all the, all the election rules again and lock Joe in a basement and forget about it, they wouldn't need to go through all this strabats. The fact that they are working this hard tells me that they don't think they've got this thing locked up, that they truly fear what conservatives should have the confidence to hope for, which is that come November 2024, we might actually get the chance to make America great again, again. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Liberal talking head Joy Reid wonders why you need more babies. It's amazing. All these liberal policies and politicians and political commentators, the upshot of everything they advocate always seems to be fewer people. They, they want you to kill babies through abortion. They want you to stop having babies through contraception and the abolition of marriage. They want you to kill yourself when you get old or you get sick. It's just, it's always fewer people. That's what it always comes down to. There is much more to say. First, though, go to TNUSA.com slash Knowles. Are you struggling with back taxes or unfiled returns this year? The IRS is escalating collections by adding 20,000 new agents. In these challenging times, your best defense is to use Tax Network USA. 
Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. These guys are not your friends. Do not waive your rights and speak with these agents independently without backup. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether it's business or personal taxes, whether you have the means to pay or are on a fixed income, Tax Network can help resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Seize control of your financial future now. Do not let tax issues overpower you. Contact Tax Network USA for immediate relief and expert guidance. Call 1-800-245-6000 or visit tnusa.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Turn to Tax Network USA. Find your path to financial peace of mind. tnusa.com slash Knowles. Turning back to the White House, President Biden is struggling. He's not just struggling in the polls. He's not just struggling versus Donald Trump. He's, he's struggling versus the words on the paper in front of him. We know that sometimes when President Biden is going off the cuff, making extemporaneous remarks, he sometimes digresses into strange incoherence. That is now apparently happening also while he is just reading quotations off a sheet of paper. Here is President Biden attempting to quote President Lincoln. And you know, uh, stand here in front of this portrait the man behind me here, he, uh, he said, and I want to make sure I get the quote exactly right, he said, the better angels, he said, we must address the council and address the better angels of our nature. And we, do, and we do well to remember what else he said. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. It's the middle, it's in the, in the part of the Civil War. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. We must not be enemies. Folks, and I've been around, I know I don't look it, I've been around a long while. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean this sincerely. We've gotten, politics has gotten too bitter. And then uh, folks, and he said, what's he saying right here? He said, I'm going to talk about hairy legs, Jack. I'm in chocolate chip. And, and I'm serious. President Lincoln, politics is too bitter. The funny thing is, in as much as what Joe Biden said constitutes English, uh, he doesn't really believe that. He's trying to quote Lincoln, you know, and say, we're not enemies, but friends, malice toward non-charity for all. Joe Biden is one of the nastiest guys in politics, a nasty, nasty man. He launched his presidential campaign on the lie that President Trump endorsed neo-Nazis in Charlottesville. It was a complete lie. That was the first moment of Joe's 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, Joe Biden, when he was running for VP, against the Romney-Paul Ryan ticket. He said Mitt Romney wants to put black people back in chains. This is a nasty man. He led the Inquisition against uh, Clarence Thomas when Thomas was up for for the Supreme Court and uh, presided over all sorts of hideous accusations against him, which Clarence Thomas called a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. A nasty guy is what I'm saying. The list goes on and on. But now... He's had a change of heart, I guess. He's turning over a new leaf at the age of 150, which is he doesn't want to be so nasty anymore. Politics is getting too personal. It's getting too bitter. He doesn't really believe this. He's never believed this. He'll get nasty and bitter the, the moment he has the next opportunity against Donald Trump. 
For goodness sakes, the man's prosecuting his political enemies. <laughs> you, you talk about politics is getting too bitter. Bro, you're trying to throw your enemy in prison for 700 years. The former president and the leader of the political opposition. Give me a break. The only reason he's saying this stuff or it, uh, attempting to say this stuff is because he knows that his poll numbers are in the trash and he needs to be seen to moderate some way. He recognizes that the Democrat base has gone way too far to the left, and this is alienating independent voters, and it's alienating center leftists, and and even the center right, which hates Donald Trump, that might end up voting for Biden. And he feels, I believe, genuinely scared, so he's got to run against his whole political career. Good luck with that. Now, when President Biden is not mumbling about Abraham Lincoln, he's talking about sex. I thought I might be able to avoid this story. Apparently not. Uh, according to the Daily Mail, Joe Biden has just said that the key to his marriage is good sex. And now I had that image in my head, and now you have to have that image in your head. And sorry, sorry, Jack, that's just the way it goes, Corn Pop. Uh, I disagree with Joe Biden on pretty much everything, and I don't really like the guy at all. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day. He makes a point. He makes a point, okay? And I know there, we've talked on this show and on backstage and just more broadly in the culture about uh, marriage and the key to a good marriage and how to, how to make things work in this age where we don't even know what marriage is anymore. Marriage is not entirely, but in large part about that activity, okay? Because marriage is ordered to, toward an end and the end of marriage is the procreation and education of children, as well as the good of the spouses. That is what, in principle, marriage is ordered toward. And so it's not, it's not just like any kind of other relationship. It's not just you and your buddy. It's not just you and your gal pals. Or it's, it's a very specific kind of relationship. And sex is a big part of it, okay? I know it's a family show, so I'll basically leave it at that. There's a, a headline that just came out in the Daily Mail that backs up this point. Uh, scientists have discovered that, all right, I'll I'll, I'll get a little unfamily friendly for just one more second. They've discovered that orgasms rewire the brain and lead to a lasting connection between partners. And this is exhibit 7,000 in in the series of scientific discoveries that just prove common sense. Yes, yeah, it's true. It turns out that when you sleep with someone for a long time— and you enjoy this activity and you find it satisfying, that you end up feeling even closer to that person. That's true. Every human being who ever lived understood that for all of history until our modern scientific age when we have to rediscover everything that people had previously just sort of known as a matter of common sense. Yes, this is of course the case. And they, they gussy it up in all this scientific language. Well, actually, you know, it rewires the brain. Habits rewire the brain. Yeah, we're th- we're just thinking of it in this totally physical way. Oh, yes, when that exciting thing happened, I got a jolt of dopamine. You know, we just talk in this way that is so materialist. It's it's so uh, clinical. But the the physical world has a connection to the metaphysical world, as a symbol has a connection to the symbolized. So yeah, that's tr- there's a there is a physical expression of something deeper that's going on. Your, your marriage is both physical and metaphysical. It's, it's two people 
coming together and, you know, doing that thing that married couples do and staying together in a place, in a home. But it, it's also deeper. It's a sacrament. And and it's something you engage in before your political community and also before God. And it's the intertwining of two souls and what God has joined, no man ought to separate. That's true. And we're in an age where we try to compartmentalize and separate those two things. We, we try to compartmentalize so much that we actually try to separate body from soul in the transgender ideology. But you can't do that, man. We find out that there is not only a, a metaphysical aspect to all of these things, especially marriage, there's a physical aspect too. That one doesn't disprove the other. They both, they both uh, reinforce the other because man is a hylomorphic being, body and soul joined together. And I hope you join my YouTube channel by subscribing right now. Ring that bell to the Michael Knowles YouTube channel. Smash it. Ring it. Do whatever the kids do to the buttons. Do that, man. Now, speaking of uh, sex stuff, Governor Greg Abbott down in Texas has become the latest Republican uh, to engage in what I think is going to prove a a long-term error, and that is to endorse in vitro fertilization and the surrogacy industry. Do you agree with the Alabama Supreme Court that embryos are human beings? Well, listen, obviously there's uh, some uncertainty lingering from this, but candidly, let's go back to President Trump because President Trump put out a statement on this uh, that I think a lot of people agree with, and that is a a goal uh, that we all kind of want to achieve, uh, and that is we want to make it easier uh, for people to be able to have babies, not, not make it harder. Uh, And the IVF process is a way uh, of giving life uh, to even more babies. Uh, And so what what I think the goal is, uh, is to to make sure uh, that we can find a pathway uh, to ensure that parents who otherwise may not have the opportunity to have a child will be able to have access to the IVF process and become parents and give life to babies. Uh, And because this is a relatively new issue, we're just going to find ways to uh, navigate uh, laws mm-hmm. and fact situations that are very complicated. Okay, hold on, hold on. So right there at the end, Governor Abbott says, now look, this is a relatively new situation. Right, that's my whole point. So when you have a relatively new situation with a brand new technology that touches on the very origin and destiny of human life with all sorts of bioethical concerns that you yourself are acknowledging, is the, is the prudent response to that to go full steam ahead, let's go, baby, make a bunch of kids in test tubes and lock them up in a freezer forever? Or would the more prudent response be caution? And if you're going to proceed at all, proceed very cautiously, or maybe take a moment here and sort out some of these bioethical issues, because we're talking about the creation of human beings. What do you think is more prudent? Obviously, the latter is. Now, what Governor Abbott is trying to do here is he's trying to stay on the good side of President Trump because President Trump came out on this issue in in response to the Alabama Supreme Court faithfully interpreting the Alabama state constitution and saying, look, the Alabama state constitution protects life from the very beginning. The very beginning is the moment of conception. If we as pro-lifers really believe that life begins at conception, then that raises all sorts of problems for the IVF and surrogacy industry because the IVF and surrogacy industry, first of all, sells human life. And two, I mean, that is the product. It's the only product you could possibly be buying in the IVF and surrogacy industry. But but two, uh, treats human life in a way that we would not consider morally acceptable. For instance, locking people away in freezers forever or creating human beings. Sometimes 
where major accidents happened back in early 2023. There was, there's a case, I think it's still being litigated down in Texas, where the scientists accidentally mixed up the test tubes. And so they created a human being with the wrong sperm and the wrong egg. They created a human being with a mother and father who had never met each other, who were married to other people. Who, what, what happens to that person now? I guess the couples sue and maybe there's a, a civil payout or something like that. Well, now you got a human being who has been created, deprived of a mother and a father, who's left in no, no man's land. This is just one example of the myriad examples of, of, of hazards that come along with establishing the domination of technology over the origin and destiny of human life. So I get it. I understand why as a political matter, President Trump doesn't want to run in 2024 on shutting down IVF, which many, many people, I, I think mistakenly, but with good intentions, are supportive of. I get that. I'm, I, I'm not saying he has to make it a plank of his campaign. But if, if I were advising President Trump, whom I love, who's the most pro-life president in my lifetime, if I were advising Governor Abbott here, if I were advising Carrie Lake, who also came out in favor of this, I would just say, hey, guys, Proceed with caution. Maybe downplay this thing a little bit. Maybe don't come out in defense of a morally dubious, and in the case of Alabama, illegal and unconstitutional uh, activity. Because what they're saying, what Governor Abbott has said here is, look, we love it because IVF is a way to make more human life, and we want more human life. And that's true. So is rape. Rape is another way to make more human life. Do you support that? No, you don't. Am I saying that rape and IVF and the surrogacy industry are identical? No, of course they're not identical. But the principle stands. Good ends do not justify immoral means. And there are immoral ways to create human life. And that doesn't in any way uh, call into question the value or the dignity of the human beings who are created in that way. Far from it. Pro-lifers will be the first to tell you we support the right to life of everyone. Just because someone is created in an unfortunate or a sinful or unjust circumstance doesn't mean that you have the right to go kill that person. For goodness sakes, I've interviewed people who are, who are the product of rape, who are great gifts to the country and, and great gifts to their, their mothers and great, great gifts to the world. But that doesn't justify the immoral means. And if we're going to grant, we all grant this, we pro-lifers in principle, that there are moral ways to create people and immoral ways, and the ends don't justify the means, then I think we all have to acknowledge there are some bioethical issues here with in vitro fertilization. Maybe the wise thing to do, not to come out as defenders of an industry that sells people. Now, the CNN host here recognizes this problem. They recognize this problem that if pro-lifers have been arguing till we're blue in the face for decades now, that life really begins at conception, well, then if we all of a sudden start defending an industry that not only creates people in test tubes, but then locks them away in a freezer, destroys those embryos if they are not used, re reduces them if if too many take hold, you know, just all sorts of abuses of human dignity and, and uh, the natural law, well, then don't we look like hypocrites? Are you saying that families in Texas who are using IVF have extra embryo embryos that are frozen, do not need to worry? Well, so you raise fact questions uh, th that are complex that I simply don't know the answer to. Let me give you a couple of uh, examples, and that is, uh, I have no idea mathematically the, the, the number of frozen embryos. Is it, is it one, 10, 100, 1,000? Uh, things like that matter. What I, what I don't know is uh, families who may have frozen embryos, what happens if 
they were done so that a mother could uh, have a pregnancy, but uh, after those embryos were frozen, the mother passes away. What happens then? Uh, what happens if after the embryos are frozen, the, uh, the, the mother uh, mm -hmm. and, and the husband, uh, they get a divorce? Here, here's my point in telling you yeah. that, uh, Dana, yeah. and that is these are very complex issues where I'm not sure everybody has really thought about uh, what all the potential problems are. And as, as a result, uh, no one really knows what the potential yeah. answers are. Yeah, I'm not sure you have either, Governor Abbott. You're, you're, I can't tell if, he's a smart man, so I can't tell if, if this is just a cynical political play here or if he genuinely doesn't hear the words that are coming out of his mouth. That, that whole little monologue there at the end, he goes, oh, there's all sorts of moral questions, all sorts of really just practical questions this raises. What if the parents get divorced? What happens to the little babies who are stuck in the freezer? What if the mother dies and you got all these babies in the freezer? What if this, what if that? Yeah, huh? I don't know how many there are. Are there one, are there 10, are there a billion? I don't know how many of these babies are just stuck in freezers right now. So anyway, that's why we need to go full steam ahead with IVF. What? It's a total, talk about a non sequitur. What are you talking about? Now, perhaps it is the case. I, I don't even know what the more charitable read is here for, for Governor Abbott. But I, 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 is, it, I can't, is he just being cynical or is he, is he genuine? Let's just say he's not understanding what he is saying. Well, now he's heard it. I've heard it. I, we're, these people are maybe working it out in real time as they say it. Okay, well, then let's follow our logic to its logical conclusion. If there is some chance, let's say it's a 5% chance, let's say it's a 1% chance that we're creating who knows how many human beings to lock in freezers or to destroy, that we're doing that as a matter of public policy, probably we ought to slow that down a bit, huh? Especially if we're conservative, especially if we're pro-life. I understand Sweet little Elise and I struggled with our first child and uh, not struggled with him. He's a sweet little boy. But sweet little Elise and I, with our eldest son, it took a couple of years to conceive him. And we go to the fertility doctors and they just become a sales pitch for IVF. And I, I understand how painful it is. I understand how tempting it is to just do whatever it takes to get a little child. I, I totally get it. When you follow your reason here and not just allow your emotions to, to drag you away. When you follow your reason, you say, okay, does life begin at conception? Okay, is it a, it, should we be able to buy and sell human beings? Should we establish the domination of some scientists in lab coats over the origin of human life? Should we lock away millions of babies in a freezer forever? Should When you follow your reason, I think at the very least you have to recognize, okay, this thing has problems. We ought to slow it down. And the conservative pro-life politicians, most of all, should follow that logic. There is much more to say. First, though, text Knowles to 200-300. For most homeowners, window replacement is not something they've ever done before. It might be daunting. Luckily, Renewal by Anderson is your one-stop shop for window design, manufacture, and installation. Windows play a crucial role in regulating indoor temperatures. So if you notice a spike in your heating or cooling bills, it might be due to inefficient windows. Don't put it off any longer. Renewal by Anderson offers limited, fully transferable, and best-in-the-nation warranty coverage. Right now... Renewal by Anderson offers a free in-home consultation on quality, energy-efficient, affordable windows or patio doors with special financing options 
Text Knowles, Canada BYLES to 200 300 for a free consultation to buy one window or door and get one 40% off. Plus, you'll get 200 bucks off your entire purchase. These savings will not last long, so check it out by texting Knowles, Canada BYLES to 200 300. I have a cousin who works for these guys and has for years, and he raves about them. A carpenter once raved to me about these guys. Go see for yourself. That is Knowles. Text it to 200-300. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted to textplane.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rights may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. Minimum purchase is required. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid within promotional period. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. I have sold so many candles. It is. On, I just got an update yesterday. You people love, you love the Smells and Bells candle. The Smells and Bells candle is magnificent. I had only had a prototype, actually. I finally received the actual candle that we're shipping. Smells and Bells candle, just in time for Lent. Uh, Smells like roughly a 12th century monastery. It is so great. Adds a nice little little seasonal flair to your home. Uh, It's great. It's got a wood wick. It's really lovely. Uh, Go get yours today, dailywire.com slash shop when you want more combustibles. Also, you know, that's what we specialize in here over at the Michael Knowles Show. Last night I was sitting out I had a, a nice cigar. You get you get your Mayflower cigar in one hand, you get your candles in the other, and you just, you were just filling up your home temple with incense. Speaking of having more kids, Joy Reid, a prominent lib commentator on MSNBC, she can't understand why conservatives want to have more kids. Take it away, Joy. The United States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do we need more kids? I mean, your party, Senator Tuberville, is the one screaming that 10 million immigrants, which I don't even know that that number even makes any sense because it doesn't, um, have streamed into the country since Joe Biden has been president and you're claiming that that's too many people, that if more people come into the southern border, this is some sort of crisis because we, we've got too many people and we've got no more space and we can't afford more people. But now you're saying we need more kids? Can you explain who's the we and what's the purpose? Uh, yes, I can. Uh, illegal immigration is wrong because it violates our laws, some of our most basic laws in this country, and uh, the American people are supposed to have the right to make our own laws, but we don't. We have an open border where uh, millions and millions of illegal aliens pour across, and they bring drugs, and they bring crime, and they all come across with the aid of the cartels. And so that, I guess what I'm saying is that that is different. You know, a, a Honduran person without any money who is working with some of the worst criminal organizations in the country violating our laws is different from an American having a baby. Those those are different. They're different people. Those are different circumstances. And they imply different consequences for the United States. That would, I, I rest my case, Joy, on the fact that different things are different. Joy Reid does not want to acknowledge these things. We have, there is a connection between the two in that, Part of the reason that the political elites get away with mass migration is that we have a dying population. And we have since 1971, we've had a population that reproduces below the replacement rate. And so if you want to keep the economy afloat, you, f- you flood the country with a bunch of foreigners. At least that's 
That's the theory pushed on us by the leftists who openly say that this policy will give them a permanent electoral majority and also pushed by the squishes in the Chamber of Commerce who want to get cheap labor. Okay. But it's illegal and it would be preferable, it seems to me, for Americans to have thriving families than to have dying families and just flood the country with a bunch of foreigners. People are not just totally interchangeable. You can't just have a country and then change out all the people and have the same country. Even though you'll have the same geography, I, I was going to say you'd have the same borders, but we don't really have borders anymore anyway. You, you wouldn't have the same country because the country is not just the land and it's not just some pieces of paper with ink on it. The country is the people and the, the tradition. And you can, you can assimilate some people into that, but you can't just, you can't just swap out the people. That's, that isn't going to work. We also have uh, uh, priorities in terms of our charity. We owe more to our children and to our parents than we do to, say, our cousins and our second or third aunt twice removed. We owe more to the people in our local community than we owe to people in far distant communities. We owe more to our countrymen than we do to foreigners on the other side of the world. Uh, this is perfectly natural. It's perfectly fine. And uh, that's been true everywhere for all of history. That, that's why. It's good. Having family is a good thing. And you can't just, you can't just cheat that by li- living alone in a, in a sterile country where you think you can replace the people with a bunch of, I, I don't know, Ecuadorian peasants or something. And no knock on Ecuadorian peasants. There are a lot, lot wonderful people in Ecuador. They actually just elected a great president down there. But that's a different country with a different culture and a different language and a different tradition. And we have ours and we'd like to preserve it. Keep going. Why does the state of Alabama need more kids? More kids for what? There was a time when the state of Alabama absolutely needed more kids because, you know, Alabama was a slave state. And the mandate of the planter class in Alabama was for black women to produce more kids because those kids were property and they could work more kids and make more money on their plantations. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids because you think that those populations will include people who are maybe destitute and desperate enough if you kick out the immigrants like a lot of y'all want to do and you could make them do the work that the migrants are doing now? That kind of sounds slavery-ish. I, I don't know. Maybe Joy Reid realized this as she was speaking it. Probably not, though, because she doesn't seem very self-aware. She just totally undercut her argument. Because when Americans have children, uh, the the Americans generally demand higher wages. The illegal aliens, immigrants broadly, but especially the illegal aliens, uh, take lower wages. So if you're, if, if you're talking about getting just a cheap labor class, you would be making the arguments in favor of the left and the Chamber of Commerce who want to flood the country with illegal aliens. And, and they, they, they're not hiding this argument. They make it very openly. They said, well, if we don't have a ton of illegal foreign nationals in our country, who's going to pick grapes for really low prices? And who's going to clean your home off the books? And who's going to nanny your kids and not pay taxes on it and accept the meager wages that you pay them? Who's going to do it? No American's going to do that. The wages are too low. So, so she probably didn't realize that, that she was arguing against the point she thought she, she was making. Because then she concludes with the word slavery-ish. She, earlier on in her argument, she said, 
uh, some senators are suggesting that there are 10 million illegal aliens in this country, which I don't even think that number makes a lot of sense because it doesn't. And I mean, this is the caliber of argumentation from a leading left-wing pundit on a major left-wing TV channel who is a graduate of Harvard University. That woman has a degree from Harvard. (laughs) Now, Harvard's reputation is taking quite a hit in recent weeks because it turns out the president of Harvard uh, was a plagiarist who copied most of her work and who only had 11 academic publications to begin with. <laughs> that's what that's what a reasonably uh, impressive graduate student would have during graduate school, okay? <laughs> and that was the president of Harvard. So it shows you that that Harvard degree is now totally worthless in the world of DEI and uh, identity politics. But, but it also, it just reminds me of, of this impulse from the left. One, her argument is not logical in any way. But it always arrives at the same conclusion. There need to be fewer people. We need fewer people. We need fewer marriages, real marriages, because real marriage is inclined to produce children. We need more contraception. We need more abortion. We need more morning after pill. We need more euthanasia. We need, we need, we just need fewer of us. I don't know that to me, there's something more than just political going on. There's something more than just ideological. There's something downright demonic about that kind of political activism. Now, Speaking of black women and southern states, how is that for a transition? And of weird sex stuff, by the way. Lieutenant Governor of Virginia Winsome Sears just got into a fiery exchange with a state representative who identifies as trans, a dude who thinks he's a chick. Uh, He goes by Senator Danica A. Rome. I don't know what his real name is, but he goes by Danica. And so Winsome Sears being very respectful as she's presiding over this uh, proceeding of the uh, Virginia Senate. And at one point, the trans-identifying senator, Senatrix, I guess senator, because he's a dude, uh, storms out of the room. The senator may state it. Madam President, how many votes will be would it take uh, to pass this bill with the emergency clause? That would be four-fifths, Senator. And what would be the exact number for that, uh, Madam President? Yes, sir, that would be 32. The question is, Storms shall out. the bill pass? Those in favor of that motion will record their votes aye. Those you can tell Winston Sears no. is kind Are of confused. Are the senators ready to vote? I am not here to upset anyone. I am here to do the job that the people of Virginia have called me to do. And that is to treat everyone with respect and dignity. I myself have at times not been afforded that same respect and dignity. But in this body, and as long as I am president of the Senate, and by the grace of God, I will be treated with respect and dignity, and I will treat everyone else with respect and dignity. So in case you were trying to keep score on the identity politics, I know it's a little confusing. White people are not allowed in any way, even accidentally, to offend black people because white is bad and black is good. Men are not allowed, even accidentally, ever to offend or upset women because women are good and men are bad. Unless 
we're talking about a white man who has a very particular sexual fetish <laughs> and, and confusion and thinks that he's a woman. In which case, the white man is allowed and encouraged and actually applauded for offending a black woman, namely Winsome Sears, who's presiding over this proceeding. Does that, you should write it down. I don't know when it's going to change. That's a pretty weird one. The way that this scene is being portrayed by the left is that she offended him by calling him sir. I don't think she did that intentionally, actually. I would have done it intentionally because I I try to be precise in my language. And I think that the moment that you acknowledge in your language uh, the transgender premises, then you've lost the whole argument. I think it's an important argument to have. And I think men and women actually are different. And if we give up that distinction, (laughs) we might as well give up the culture because it's pretty close to the heart of human nature. But I don't think she did it intentionally. I think she just was speaking to a dude and she was trying to be respectful. And she said, okay, yes, sir. Thank you very much. And he storms out because he has this delusion and this bizarre sexual hangup. And he wants to be or thinks he is a chick. And so he storms out. That, that is very offensive. I would not storm out of a room when the lieutenant governor of a state is speaking to me, especially if it were a lieutenant governor as uh, serious and talented as Winsome Sears here. But now we're living in the upside down world. Can't, you can't quite do that. I, I liked her speech there at the end. She said, I'm, I'm here to do the job that the people sent me to do, and that is to treat everyone with re- respect. My only a slight suggestion here to Winsome Sears is that that's not the job that the people sent her to do. The, the job that the people sent Winsome Sears and all of the elected officials in Virginia to do is to govern well. The, the job that they sent them to do is the basic job of statecraft, which is to pursue good and to avoid evil, to, to uh, help to encourage the conditions for everyone in the Commonwealth of Virginia to thrive, to have a flourishing life, okay? And in in this case, the people who are advocating the total destruction of the family, of uh, public distinctions between men and women, of, of the, that, that dichotomy in human nature, those people are not helping Virginia to flourish, all right? And so in that case, it is, it is not only acceptable, it is very good to dismiss, to mock, to uh, undermine the transgender ideology, which is either true or it isn't. As I got in trouble at CPAC for saying, but I think most people agree with me, it's either true or it isn't. If it's true, then it can be true for anyone, and then we ought to trans the kids. If it's false, then it's false for everyone, and we shouldn't allow adult men to go use the little girl's changing room at the public pool. But it's, it's going to be true or false. It's not just a matter of taste or preference. And it's obviously false. And so it's helpful to no one. So for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to that delusion, transgenderism ought to be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole ideology at every level. Do you understand that, sir? Sir or madam? Right now, you can join Daily Wire Plus. It's our President's Day sale. It's not President's Day anymore, so I don't know why we're still having the sale, but our confusion is your benefit. Get 30% off your Daily Wire Plus annual membership with code DW30 at checkout. Your Daily Wire Plus membership is your front row seat to the Daily Wire's upcoming hit movies and series, such as 
The Pendragon Cycle, Mr. Burcham, Snow White and the Evil Queen, and more. It is your inside access to ad-free, uncensored news and opinions that truly matter to you. Join now before the sale is over. This is your last chance to experience it all and more for 30% off during our President's Day sale. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code DW30 at checkout. My favorite comment yesterday comes not just from the episode of this show, but from a new tutorial. This is how to smoke a cigar. This is from 103J27. What a name. Who says, sick video. I've watched many tutorials. This one beats pretty much all of them. I'm so glad to hear that. Many people have asked me over the years how to smoke a cigar. It's the sort of thing where it seems like you should know how to do it, but it's actually a little complicated if you haven't done it before. Cigars are... Uh, they've really come back in style recently, especially among men and especially among conservative men. There are a lot of liberal men smoke cigars too. But uh, a lot of people don't know how to do it. They don't know how much of the cap to cut off. They don't know how to light the cigar. They don't know how to hold it. They don't know how to puff. They might go a little green in the face if they inhale it. So anyway, I've got a three-minute tutorial of the basics of how to smoke a cigar. It's on my YouTube channel. You can go check it out. Now, speaking of female Republican politicians, Nikki Haley, she is signaling the end. Her campaign is not long for this world. Initially, Nikki said, I'm not going anywhere. Remember, even after Iowa, even after New Hampshire, she said, I don't care that Trump keeps winning. I'm not going anywhere. Now she's changed her tune. Now she's saying, we're going to keep going all the way through Super Tuesday. So she's not saying we're going to drop out after Super Tuesday, but it's no longer... We're in this indefinitely. She's signaling we're in this until uh, Super Tuesday, which is, which is coming up. Why? Because, as a friend of mine who's intimately uh, aware of presidential campaigns once told me, all presidential campaigns end for the exact same reason, when they run out of money. The Koch Network, which was the big backer for Nikki Haley's bid, they have just pulled out. The Americans for Prosperity Action huge conservative group. They have just announced they will no longer spend money to help her following the South Carolina laws. She lost her home state by a fair bit. Uh, so March 5th is Super Tuesday. It's coming up. We've got, you know, six, seven days away. Uh, that will probably be the end of it. Not because Nikki Haley doesn't want to stick it out. She would stay in it forever because in, in defense of the Haley campaign, you know, they're pulling some numbers here, right? The, the South Carolina race ended up being 60-40. Now, Nikki outspent Trump by a ton. It's Nikki's home state. She was the governor there. So it was every advantage she could possibly have. But still, 40% of the GOP said, we want someone other than Trump and we're going to go for Haley. Those are impressive numbers. There's a big segment of the GOP that doesn't like Trump and that, and that prefers a candidate like Haley. So if, if she were still getting money, she'd probably take that thing all the way to the convention. She won't. She'll take it as far as she can before the money runs out. And then she will be able to say, I was the number two candidate in 2024 when the 2028 comes around. And the nice nice thing for her about 2028 is that Nikki Haley, either way, will be able to run because Trump only has one term left that he is constitutionally permitted to serve. Now, in the meantime, other people are going to try to get Nikki Haley to run for president this cycle. If not as the Republican nominee, then as some other kind of nominee. There's a group called No Labels, which is a just a centrist group, and they try to blur the distinctions between Democrats and Republicans something that I think is not a good idea. I think we need actually clearer distinctions between the two parties. We need, in the words of the great conservative activist Phyllis Schlafly, a choice, not just an echo. Uh, but No Labels thinks, no, we just need centrists to blur the distinction. And the head of No Labels, 
has suggested one candidate could be pretty, pretty helpful to that effort. This has been a project uh, to essentially give Americans another choice if they're unhappy with the presumptive nominees, which, you know, it appears it's going to be Trump versus Biden right now. But we don't know. Nikki Haley, she's going to remain in the race. You can't count her out completely. Uh, and hats off to her for staying in it and for sticking with it. But we're looking for great quality people, folks that have broad appeal to independents, Democrats, Republicans. And um, and yeah, I mean, Nikki Haley is somebody we, we'd definitely be interested in. I have no doubt that No Labels is interested in Nikki Haley. I would be shocked if Nikki Haley were interested in No Labels because Nikki Haley is a really smart politician. She's really clever. She's been very successful and she's been successful actually with both sides of the party. She was a moderate centrist governor of South Carolina. She works for Trump. She was very popular in the Trump administration as the UN ambassador. When she left the White House, Trump was very adulatory toward her. Then she kind of turned on Trump and said she wouldn't back him. Then she said she would back him and she wouldn't run if he ran. Then she ran against him. And she's just, none of that is a knock. Actually, all of that is a testament to her political talent. She's not going to blow it. She's a young woman. She's not going to blow her career on some ridiculous third-party run that's obviously going to go nowhere. If the primary run went nowhere, the third-party run's certainly going to go nowhere. Uh, when, she, when she could just run next time. So sorry sorry to no labels. I think they're going to have to keep barking up the Joe Manchin tree because I, I don't think Nikki Haley's going to do it. Now, speaking of the future, sometimes on this show I say, I hate to say I told you so, and you suspect correctly that I actually don't hate to say I told you so. Sometimes I really enjoy saying that I told you so. This is a confession from me, okay? In this case, in this story, I I truly, truly hate to say I told you so, but I did predict this years ago. Uh, Beverly Hills middle schoolers are circulating AI-generated nudes of their classmates, middle schoolers. So what are we talking, 11 to 13-year-olds? Beverly Vista Middle School's latest is the latest school to fight frightening and terrible form of bullying, that being the, these AI-generated pornographic images. From the beginning, when everyone was saying, oh no, the rise of AI and deepfakes, that's going to mean that we can't trust videos of politicians anymore. I said, forget about that. That's not going to matter. Frankly, that's probably fine because all the kind of silly scandals will go away and we'll get to the actual substance of politics. I'm not worried about the politicians. Oh, well, what about celebrities? You know, um, Scarlett Johansson was a victim of all these kind of deep fakes. I said, yeah, but that's been true with Photoshop and stuff for years. It's been Celebrities are always the victims of publicity. That's what they sign up for. I said, no, the real fear of the AI, first of all, all new technology uh, with regard to computers, ends up uh, promoting pornography. That's just been the rule for decades. And in this case, the fear is not that this is going to hurt a celebrity or a politician. It's that the, the victim is going to be the girl in your math class. And that's actually what's happened here. And it's not just this school in Beverly Hills. According to Pete Nicoletti, a cyber, cybersecurity expert who was interviewed for this story, said on the kids' side of things, it's happening every single day. Dozens of times a day. We are seeing news reports of it everywhere. So how do you stop this? How do you stop it? People who are too ideological about their politics are never going to be able to solve this problem because this problem touches on so many aspects of society. 
This problem touches on technology. It touches on the family. It touches on education. It touches on the government. It touches on the role of the individual to the government and of politics to culture and all of it. So if you have a political ideology that ignores any of those things or is opposed to intervention in any of those areas, you can't possibly solve this. Okay, in order to solve this problem, you need to be willing to censor parts of the internet, to wield the government to to censor part of the internet. A lot of the libertarians are going to say no to that, but you would have to do that. You would have to be you have to be willing to wield the government to regulate anything at all. So a lot of the libertarians wouldn't like that. You would have to be willing to get the government more involved in school. Some of the conservatives might not like that either. You you would have to be willing to uh, perhaps slow down the development of new technology. A lot of the the progressive people, the innovators, the the futurists are not going to like that. You would have to be willing to clamp down a little bit more on the structure of the family, the real victims to the, for this kind of stuff. Uh, not just the people who are in the fake pornography, but the kids who are generating it are going to be people who don't come from the most rigorous families, the most stable families, where they don't have a ton of supervision all the time, where they're not told from the time they're born that there is a moral order that they need to follow, where they're not going to church on Sunday, where they're not going to Sunday school, where they're not saying their prayers, where they're not aware of the moral order, because we're now talking about a, a way for kids to get in trouble that is so difficult to detect. It can. This is not going stealing a cookie from the cookie jar. This is the sort of thing that one could do on one's phone in a little corner underneath a pillow in one's room. It's so difficult to detect. You would have to cultivate a, a very strong sense of morality, a, a dread of the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, and a desire not to offend God who really exists in order to begin to convince 12, 13-year-old boys not to do this kind of creepy stuff. That requires a much more public role for religion. That requires an encouragement of morality and religion, a turning away of this, this feigned indifference to good and bad and right and wrong and true and false. It requires a, a kind of a revolution and a recognition that society, that politics is not just about individuals, but it's about how we all get along together. Less the Enlightenment liberals, more good old Aristotle. I sometimes like to think that I'm a social conservative in the sense that my politics is about society. <laughs> not just like, you know, I'm pro-life or whatever, but, but meaning it's social. It's all together. And we're not going to solve these problems individually. Okay, that's my rant. Are we willing to do all those things? If not, expect more of these creepy stories. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. 